spell just on my name here. You can click on the pictures there. They are actually free videos. I update them every week. They'll appear differently depending on what platform you're on. I recommend going to an old school computer. Make sure you enable the Adobe plugins. It's free to do that and the videos will automatically start playing for you and you'll actually get more videos that way. You can check out me and my friends, the free videos and stuff. You can get a subscription, make a donation, or just enjoy the free content. All of the above are appreciated. Thank you very much. You can also check out the Naked Truth pages and the Living Water Chapel pages there and see what we explore here on the Naked Truth, which is actually the spiritual side that I believe exists in all of us. And um, I self-identify as a Christian, namely a red letter Christian, meaning I believe in giving Jesus the last word on any particular particular subject because um, it's named for him, Christianity, so why wouldn't you go by what he has to say if you believe that he came to give us the message and even gave us life for it? Um, an example of that was what we just read in the book of Luke 17 about how the world denies that teaching. Church after church after church never preaches that um, Jesus says that homosexuality is not an automatic uh, sentence to hell as the Old Testament and as others in the New Testament may. Um, he doesn't do that at all. He preaches the exact opposite. Um, yet people don't believe it. People believe what they want to believe. So anyway, um, the one that, the passage that stood out to me here in John chapter 16 was this one. Therefore you know, therefore you, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. Your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Jesus is here predicted to them that he's about to be crucified. He's letting them know that what's going to happen and then it happens. So those sort of things should affirm their faith and let them know that uh, the things he said are true. Even though they have doubts. And you can see he's told them like we just read that they had if they had even the grain of faith the size of a mustard seed they could do great things but they didn't and he's gonna he's saying here similarly that um he's giving them a prediction that he's going to be crucified but then after the crucifixion the time is going to come where their faith is going to be affirmed so greatly by him resurrecting that that's going to give them joy that no one can take from them, no matter what happens to them because they live to see christ risen again something the rest of the humanity who believers and non-believers probably would like to at least see if it truly happened so that it would affirm our faith though the disciples had that and i think that's what jesus was pointing to so that's what we were read in the last reading we're going to pick up now john chapter 17 um if you'd like to read along and here we go jesus spoke these words lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour has come glorify your son that your son also may glorify you so here we're having jesus praying he's praying to god um it's like one of the few places where it actually does say jesus is talking to god addressing god praying to god um and it's another place like just before the crucifixion even closer without the disciples where he's praying excuse me So Jesus is letting them know that he knows what's about to happen and it's all for the glory of God. As you've given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him. So 
the authority here Jesus is talking about has to be some sort of other different authority than what we think of as authority. Because people would think, well, if Jesus is so powerful, why doesn't he stop poverty? Why doesn't he stop slavery? Why doesn't he stop this? Why doesn't he stop child molestation? Why doesn't he stop murders? Why doesn't he do whatever? If that's the sort of authority we think of, but it lets us know that Jesus is talking about a different type of authority that's been given to him. Um, and the authority is to give life. It's not about controlling human behavior or, or anything like that. That's where that free will thing comes in, where you reap what you sow and you draw that path depending on what you choose, um, I think. Um, so Jesus is saying here um, that he has the power of giving life another. Uh, that's where his authority lies. And this, is, and this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. So Jesus is letting us know what eternal life really is, um, is to know God in reality and to know Jesus, the one who he sent. Uh, so that lets us know, <clears throat> excuse me again, when we think of what eternal life is and heaven, at least when I think of heaven, it would be living forever with God, basically, and with no more problems. That's how I would think of it, that sort of situation, a, a utopia. Um, so, um, but what Jesus is saying here, that eternal life is to know God and to know Jesus. I've glorified you on earth. I've finished the work which you've given me to do. So he's letting us know the way to, to that eternal life, to that utopia is through Jesus to know God. To know God, that's knowing that's getting to what he what we imagine is life everlasting. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So Jesus is letting us know here that he's existed even before the world that we live in came into being. I think that's when he when he says, um, before Abraham was, I am. That's what he means by that, that he's sort of uh, timeless, though we it's something hard for us to understand. Um, I think that's what he's letting us know, that he was before all of what we know came to be. He was before that. I've manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. So now he's praying for the disciples here, and he's saying that they were given to him <clears throat> by God's plan, excuse me, even beforehand. Now they have known that all things which you've given me are from you. So he's saying now the disciples' faith is affirmed that they believe that Jesus is from God. And we have... This this same point I think is about oh well yeah they just after the when they finally believed he said do you now believe and just before he's letting them know they're going to be scattered now that they finally have faith enough to believe uh, so he, um he's praying for the disciples for I've given to them your words the words which you've given me and they've received them and have known surely that I came. from you and they have believed that you sent me so Jesus is saying the disciples finally believe that Jesus is the one that God sent to them that he's the one who fulfilling that prophecy I pray for them I do not pray for the world but for those whom you have given me 
for they are yours. So he's saying he's not praying for the world because we already know that God loves the world. He's not trying to destroy the world. He says that in John 3.16. It's not the world that's in trouble. Because that will continue because God loves that. But it's the people and it's humanity that may not make it. Um, particularly in large portion with the way things continue to be. Because um, that hate, it's it's more than just shooting one unarmed black person who's not a threat to you while you simultaneously look the other way at white people who are armed and in your face, spitting in your face and calling you names. It's, it goes beyond that because it sets up seeds. It seeds your planning in that bias and that bigotry because that's what it boils down to. You're planting hateful seeds. They're going to spring up and choke you. Instead of letting you be fruitful, it's going to choke your growth. And it's terrible, but it's what we do to ourselves when we do things like that. So Jesus is not praying for the people. He's praying for his flock, the ones of his that are in the world. Namely, not for the whole world itself, not for the world at all. He said specifically, he's not praying for the world. We may consider that when we say our prayers. No need in praying for the world. Jesus didn't. Uh, and all mine are yours. So he's saying, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. He's saying for his flock, the ones that are true. That's who he's praying for. And all mine are yours and yours are mine. And I'm glorified in them. So this sort of leads us to, uh, again, Jesus has been given authority. But it lets us know it's not the authority as we think of it. Because why else would he need to be praying for his um his uh, flock that are here, the true believers, if he has control over all of what's going to happen to us and able to prevent all kinds of terrible things, he wouldn't need to pray for us if he has that sort of control. It's because we also play a hand in it with our decisions, I think, and that free will of which path we take and where, um, where these interventions can step in for us or not. Um, but Jesus is saying here, uh, that's who he's praying for, his flock. The ones whom God has already arranged to be his. Not just the disciples, I believe. I think he means all the way through time. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. So um, he's saying that that flock is not only God's, it's Christ. It's a Christian flock, and in that sense, it's God's flock. And this isn't to say other people, other faiths are excluded from it. That's not to say that at all. He's saying, but this flock, his flock... That um, that's um, the ones marked for Christ, and those all are gods. And then similarly, but that lets us know a lot that are out there are not. Um, now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom. So Jesus is letting us know here. He's getting ready to go. Is what he's telling them. He's on his way out, and he's praying for their safety, basically. Let's see. He's praying that the disciples will be safe. And, yep, although we know, clearly that prayer wasn't granted because many of the disciples were killed, martyred, and um, for their testimony. Uh, well, it says for the testimony to Christianity, but generally it was because they professed that Jesus was Christ. More of that than their testimony. There's a slight difference. It's not like they were going around preaching Jesus's words they were going around preaching that Jesus was the savior so there's a slight difference and then these gospels tell us what Jesus's words were so they played their part and they did their part <clears throat> excuse me 
um, let's see, keep through your name those whom you've given me that they may be one as we are. So he's saying in that sense it'll be a oneness, not this whole body of Christ stuff that people will preach. Jesus didn't say that. I think he's saying one family. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I've kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Excuse me. So some preachers will try and say this son of perdition is talking about the devil. I don't think he's talking about the devil because at no point does it say the devil is given to Jesus. Um, and him falling happened way before Jesus walked. Um, before Jesus did his ministry here, I'll say. So I don't think he's talking about Jesus at all. I think he's talking about Judas um, and him um, falling. And when it says son of perdition, it, it may you may not like it. I don't think he means literal damnation. I think it's like how we'll call someone an SOB back in the day. I think that's what he's saying. A son of perdition in the sense of, yes, it's damnation, but it's like the one doing that damnable act. That sort of thing. I don't think he's actually literally saying the devil. Because, like I said, the devil wasn't given to Jesus in that sense. Um, and I think, if anything, the one who has, well, I'll leave it at that. Um, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world. So Jesus letting us know here that he's on his way out, and he's headed back to God the Father. That they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So Jesus letting us know these are the words of comfort that we're going to have be left with. Um, for generations to come and even the disciples um, after he's gone and that that's why he's speaking them that specifically we can have those to turn to for our again comfort I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I'm not of the world so Jesus here lays it out point blank what he came to do and that's give us God's word directly again the red letters it's not the whole Bible it's very little tiny part of the Bible, a tithe of the Bible, a tenth of the Bible. Only six books is where you can find what Jesus has to say that God's message is. Although people will tell us God wrote us this letter and it's the word of God. It is not the word of God. It is not all God's words. And there are many different gods mentioned throughout the Bible. So uh, you can't possibly try to make it all, reconcile it all as being on the same page and the same teaching. It's not. Um, so anyway, Jesus is praying for the ones in the Bible that are meant for him, his flock, because there are different flocks mentioned throughout the Bible and different beliefs. He's saying for his flock, that's who he's praying for. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So he's saying that's his prayer for us, those who believe, is that we'll be kept from the evil one, from the devil. That The actual son of perdition, as some people will try and say it, talking about the devil there. He's not wasn't talking about the devil there. He's talking about the devil here and the evil that lurks in people and the um, the inhumanity of of how people are now. But it's probably nothing new. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. So he's saying true believers, followers aren't of the world, just as Jesus isn't. We're uh, we won't necessarily fit in, even as children. I know that feeling that you just might not fit in because the world is on a different page, some other stuff. Sanctify them by your truth. 
your word is truth. So he's saying he came to bring us the word that God had for us to know. He's saying, now he's saying here, that word that he came to bring us is the truth we need to get there. And he's saying that truth is God's word that he spoke to us. So again, focus on the red letters. That's where you're going to find the truth that's meant for you. Now, if you again, if you want to look throughout the Bible, you can find other preachings and teachings that don't at all line up with what Jesus said. But if you're going to call yourself a Christian, it's what Jesus has to say that should be the last word. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. He's saying just like he was sent to bring the message of what God had to say to us, the same way Jesus is sending us with the same message that he brought us, the red letters, that that's what he's sending us into the world with, to arm ourselves with in that sense, in our dealings with each other, in our dealings with life, in the things that come up. Focus on what Jesus has to say as far as Christianity goes. And as and for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So sanctified means set apart. Sort of like set apart. Um, like you're, um, you may set aside your favorite strain of bud. And so you'll sanctify it for your, oh, I'm saving this for when I really want to sit down and chill. That sort of situation. He, he sanctified his true believers for a cause for a moment. He's the one sanctifying it. He's saying for that he's sanctifying himself because it's his word we're supposed to be relying on. So that in that sense we're one. We're that one family, that one flock. But only with his word. That's how it gets there. I do not pray for these alone. So this makes it clear to us that he's not just praying for the disciples but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's saying not just the disciples, but for believers for generations to come. That's who his prayer, this prayer is for. That be us. That they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this sort of speaks to, and we've talked about it before, the whole plurality of existence thing where scientists again not necessarily believers at all believe that there's the possibility even a likelihood that we exist in different planes of reality we exist in this dimension here where i am now and i can touch me but in a sense i also exist wherever you one or two people who see this um uh, especially part of my website i exist there with you in a sense virtually because you're seeing and hearing me but I'm not actually there but I do exist there also in the same sense it's believed by some that we exist in another place even at the same um, time even in the same space some believe but in a dimension that we're not perceiving it sounds a lot like a different dimension like what Jesus is pointing to here and that um, that's who he's praying for that we're one in that sense, just like he is one with God, even at that moment that he's walking with the disciples, but also one with God who's sort of overlooking and overseeing it all. He's existing as one in both places, and we, as Christians, have to join in that oneness. And the glory which you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one just as we are one. So again, you have to be like a branch of a tree. You don't want to be cast out as a branch and wither, die, and end up in the fire. You want to be always tied into the tree 
where you can be nourished and grow and bear fruit not just hang around but actually bear fruit that's the point of being a part of the vine um, I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them as you've loved me so Jesus is saying unity is what it's all about but to get there you have to use his words it has to be through his teachings because that was the point of him coming uh, arriving here uh, to bring the message to us and in following his message that's how we join into that plug into that energy into that power and into that flock um, that oneness Father, I desire that they also whom you have whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. So this is very key that lets us know everyone's not going to the same place. Some preachers will try and tell you everyone ends up in paradise. Everyone does not end up in paradise. This lets you know right here very clearly that um some people go to Hades, as Jesus called it, he didn't call it hell, he called it Hades. In Luke 16, in Luke 16, uh, it's called Hades, not hell. And then where Lazarus ends up is not called heaven or paradise. It's called Abraham's bosom, another place altogether. But then also Jesus will talk about hell in another place. Um, and he'll talk about paradise in another place. And here he's telling, uh, the um, he's saying in that oneness, uh, we'll get to be where God is. And now where God is, is talked about that's heaven. And in those other places in Luke 16, none of those are, none of those mention God being there. But they do mention uh, existences after our existence here, an afterlife, if you want to think of it that way. Um, um, so again, Jesus is saying that the existence and love of, of oneness of his with God existed even before the world existed. Um, let's see. Oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. So this lets us know, again, you can choose to believe whatever you want to believe, Old Testament, uh, New Testament, both. You can try and reconcile them both and try and live by them both if you want to. It'd be near impossible to truly do that because there's contradictions. But And Jesus is letting us know here that the world has not known him, not known God the Father. No matter what the Old Testament tells you, uh, all of that it can't possibly be from a God that's unchanging because one single God that's unchanging it can't be because it changes even from the beginning in Genesis and we've been over that before so Jesus is letting us know here to truly know God to truly know Jesus that's to truly be with, one with God and to use his words to do it and I've declared to them your name and will declare that the love with which you love with which you love me may be in them and I in them so Jesus is saying in that way that's how um, we become one with God um, and show our love for God through Jesus following his word and uh, gaining that unity and that actually ends this reading I appreciate you checking it out with me and hope you'll join me again uh, uh, we have our Saturday night gospel grab bag where we'll pick up in the Acts of Pilate um, and we have our Monday, Matthew Monday where we're in that gospel um, and it's Wednesday now so that's John and Luke where we go over these gospels. 
thanks again in the meantime wash your hands wear your mask love your neighbor and um god bless you thanks again peace